0: Email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. This episode is also being uh, sent out on the Great Detectives of Old Time radio feed uh, to kind of give a sample of what we're doing on the amazing world of radio this summer. Uh, This summer, we are doing a summer of summer replacement programs. And I decided the one that I would share with the Great Detectives audience is one that's crime related. In 1950, NBC and CBS had two similarly themed programs. They both focused on unsolved crimes and hoped to enlist the public in solving them. To me, they sounded kind of like predecessors to uh, Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted, which were two shows that uh, we watched as a family quite a bit when I was growing up. So I was genuinely intrigued and thought this would make an interesting entry in our series. Now, as best I can tell, no case was actually solved as a result of this summer series, either one, I decided we'd go ahead and go with the most uh, famous one we had for the first series we're going to do, which is Somebody Knows, which was broadcast over CBS in the summer of 1950. Today's episode originally aired August 24th, 1950, and this episode will be about the unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia.
1: Suspense, which is heard on Thursday nights at this hour, is taking its customary summer holiday. Suspense returns to the air one week from now on Thursday, August 31st.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, a $5,000 reward will be offered on the program immediately following this announcement.
3: You out there. You who think you've committed the perfect crime, the perfect murder. That there are no clues, no witnesses. That your identity is unknown. Listen.
4: Somebody knows.
3: Yes, you wherever you may be, no matter where you're hiding. Somewhere, sometime, someone listening to this program is going to bring you to justice. Yes. Somebody
2: knows. Columbia Broadcasting System presents Somebody Knows, a program conceived in the public interest dedicated to aiding the forces of law and order in the solution of this nation's unsolved crimes.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to recreate for you tonight all the known facts in an actual unsolved murder. Somewhere, someone among you's had contact with a killer or killers. Someone whose identity need never be known has seen evidence... possesses information that can lead to the solution of this crime.
2: In the public interest, the Columbia Broadcasting System offers $5,000 reward for evidence or information leading to the arrest and conviction of the killer in this unsolved murder.
3: We ask you then to please listen carefully, for you may be the one to win this reward.
1: Somebody
3: knows. It may be you. And now we open the files on one of this nation's unsolved murders. It's homicide file number DR-295771, the Los Angeles, California Police Department. The unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. It is approximately 6.45 a.m., the morning of Wednesday, January 15th, 1947. In the southwest section of Los Angeles, California, the houseless 3900 block on South Norton Avenue, a vacant, weed-overgrown lot is barely visible in the quiet darkness just before dawn. Then an old battered sedan speeds south on Norton Avenue, suddenly swings sharply into the curb opposite that vacant lot. The car remains at that location for approximately three minutes. During that time, the driver makes two hasty trips across the paved sidewalk between the car and the vacant lot. Then, when the task is completed, the driver re-enters the car and speeds away. It's now 11:05 on the morning of Wednesday, January 15th, 1947. A monitor on a police complaint switchboard in the Communications Division of the Los Angeles Police Department answers an incoming call. Los Angeles
1: Police Department Complaint Division. Hello, I I want to report a body. Body, ma'am? Yes, a, a nude body. It, it's lying there just off the sidewalk in the vacant lot. Where's this spot, ma'am? It's in the 3900 block on South Norton. Norton Avenue. Thank you. I'll have somebody out
3: there right away. It is now 1107, Wednesday morning, January 15th, 1947. Radio Car 302, manned by officers F.S. Perkins and W.E. Fitzgerald of the University Division, is cruising in the southwestern section of Los Angeles.
1: Code 2, a 390 down on the west side of Norton Avenue, 3900 block. Uh Uh-oh, crank it up Fitz. Code 2, a 390 down on the west side of Norton, 3900 block. Car 302, acknowledge. 302,
3: got it. In response to the Code 2 broadcast, the radio car proceeds immediately to the 3900 block on Norton Avenue. Pulls over to the curb on the west side of the street. Good Lord. Yeah.
4: Yeah. The nude
3: body of a young woman is lying face up in the weeds, a few inches from the sidewalk. Her face and forehead have been brutally slashed and beaten, the body itself horribly mutilated. It has been cut completely in two. Better notify university detectives. Homicide's going to have a job on his hands. (laughs) the officers report their findings to the University Police Division. What is to prove to be one of the greatest man-hunts in the history of the Los Angeles Police Department is underway. Early efforts to identify the victim of the murder prove unsuccessful. And at 7.25 o'clock on the night of January 15, 1947, an all-points broadcast is put out.
1: Attention all police officers, all cars and divisions... Wanted. Identification of this person found murdered this AM. Description follows. Female. American. Young. height five foot six. Weight 118 pounds. All fingernails bitten to quick. Black hair recently hennaed. Eyes grayish green. Small nose uptipped slightly. High forehead and hairline. No earlobes. <laughs>
3: Meanwhile, Dr. Frederick D. Newbar, chief autopsy surgeon of the coroner's office, makes a post-mortem examination that lasts three full hours. Then he
5: reports, The immediate cause of death was hemorrhage and shock due to concussion of the brain and lacerations of the face. There were rope marks around her neck, wrists, and ankles. These, along with the severe mutilations of the body, indicate the victim was probably tied and sadistically tortured before her death.
3: Fingerprints are taken at the morgue. And at 2 a.m. on the morning of January 16, 1947, enlarged photographs are flashed by wire photo to the FBI in Washington. Emergency. Request immediate search. And within five hours, a reply comes in from the FBI.
1: Positive identification of prints made from those recorded in this
3: office September 1943. Subject, Elizabeth Short. Age that date, 19 years. Clerk at Camp Cook, Lombo, California, post-exchange.
1: Arrested Santa Barbara, California for drinking with soldiers in local cafe. Description follows. Height five foot six, weight one hundred.
3: With the positive identification of the victim as Elizabeth Short, the police investigation swings into high gear. Her mother, Mrs. Phoebe May Short of Medford, Massachusetts, is notified and within hours arrives at the Los Angeles airport.
1: Elizabeth wanted to get into pictures That was her principal ambition But she wrote to me ten days ago That she was working in a naval hospital Then in San Diego I just can't believe that oh, my sure. daughter is... Dead. Sure, I know Beth Short She was a swell kid I'll say she had men friends, plenty of them Gee, she was a pretty kid With that dark hair and that pretty white skin And when she got all dialed up in that sheer black clothes Uh, That's how she got her nickname, you know. That's why everybody called her the Black Dahlia.
3: The police now turn to San Diego in an attempt to determine the events that led to the killing of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. At her last known address in San Diego, information is obtained that promises to lead to a major break in the case.
1: Well, I haven't seen Beth for a week or so. I... I understood she was going back to Hollywood. Some man was going to drive her back. She called him Red. I think he used to be a Marine Corps flyer. Well, let's see, I I think it was the night... Yes, the night of January 8th that she left to drive back with him.
3: Now the police have something more definite to go on. And for three days, a search is made for this unknown man... Then, on January 20th, 1947, at police headquarters in downtown Los
5: Angeles. Say, I... I understand you want to talk to me. I... I'm the man who left San Diego with Elizabeth Short. I... first met her maybe a week or ten days before Christmas. I was down there on a business trip. I, I saw her standing alone on a street corner and... You know how it is. How well did you get to know her? Well, we we had dinner together a few times. That was about all. Mm, what about this trip to Los Angeles? Well, she heard that I was going there, and she asked if she could go with me. So I said, sure. That was on the night of January 8th? That was the night we left, yeah. Uh, January 8th. Mm. When did you reach Los Angeles? Well, it was about 6 o'clock the next night. January 9th? Yes, sir. It doesn't take that long to drive here from San Diego. No, we... Uh, we stayed in a motel the night before. Nothing wrong with it, you understand. There were different rooms. The reason was we, we didn't leave San Diego until late, and I, I wasn't in any hurry to get back here. I you... see. What happened when you got into L.A.? Well, as I said, we drove into L.A. about 6 o'clock that night, in the downtown section, that is, and Then while we were driving.
3: It is shortly before 6 in the evening, January 9, 1947 car is approaching the corner of 6th and Los Angeles streets in downtown Los Angeles. Within the car are Elizabeth Short,
5: the man with whom she'd driven up from San Diego. It's been a swell trip, Red. I sure appreciate the lift. Forget it. It was a break for me, having company on the way up. And as long as she had to come up anyway... Yeah, it's... I'm going to meet my sister. She... Say, isn't that the Greyhound bus station up ahead? Yeah, that's right. Oh, can I stop there for a minute? I, I want to check my bags. It'll only take a minute. Well, sure, glad to.
3: Elizabeth Short takes her bags into the station and checks them there. All of her clothes, except those she's wearing, are in those bags. Then she gets back into the car, and they drive off. Several minutes later, the car pulls up in front of the Biltmore
5: Hotel at Fifth and Olive Streets. Well, here's a Biltmore, Beth. That's where you want to go, isn't it? Yeah. My sister should be in there now. Thanks again for everything. It was really swell. Coming back to town again soon? I expect to, one of these days. Well, be sure and give me a ring when you do. Try the hotel on Orange Drive. If I'm not there, they'll probably know where I am. So long.
3: Bye, Beth. As the car drives away, Elizabeth Short stands there a moment, alone, looking after it. Then she turns and walks into the lobby of the Biltmore Hotel. It is not until six days later, the morning of Wednesday, January 15th, 1947, that she's heard from again, when a nude, mutilated body is discovered lying in a vacant lot. The body that was once Elizabeth Short, it was once the gay and laughing Black
2: Dahlia. In just a moment, we'll continue with homicide file number DR-295771 of the Los Angeles, California Police Department, the unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short,
1: the Black Dahlia. The United States Armed Forces need volunteers today in every branch of the services. You have the chance to choose not only the branch, but the type of work which you feel will be of the most benefit to you in the years ahead. May we suggest that you go to your nearest recruiting office to see if you are eligible to volunteer and inquire about the many opportunities open to you? Now, back to Somebody Knows and a true case history of an actual murder.
3: Now, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue with the rest of the factual information concerning homicide file number DR295771. The records of the Los Angeles, California, Police Department. The unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia.
2: Remember, $5,000 will be paid for information leading to the arrest and conviction of her killer.
3: The police check and recheck the story of the man who drove the Black Dahlia from San Diego to Los Angeles dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel... at approximately 6 o'clock on the evening of January 9th, 1947. Then, this statement is issued. We release this man with a clean bill
2: of health. There's no evidence to... <coughs> There's no evidence to connect him with the murder of Elizabeth Short.
3: Then, on the morning of January 24th, 1947... Robert Hyman... Manager of a cafe at 1136 South Crenshaw Boulevard tells the
2: police. It was early this morning. It was a trash can in front of the cafe, and I spotted a pair of shoes and a purse on top of the stuff there. The, uh, the, the purse was large, made of some black plastic stuff, and the shoes looked like black suede. They uh, were stuffed in the purse with the heels sticking out. Very high heels, you know. I, I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then it hit me. Maybe they were a clue to the Black Dahlia killing. Found her only about 20 blocks away, so I went back outside. City trash collector had already
1: picked up all the stuff.
3: The police immediately make a widespread search for the trash collector's truck. And finally located at the Los Angeles byproducts company. They talked to Mr. K.B. Schroeder, traffic manager of the disposal plant. Hey,
1: uh, yes, that truck came in here all right, but it's already dumped its load. Where was it dumped? Why under that big pile of refuse over there. Tucks have been dumping stuff on it all week. we still have to go through it. Find that purse and the shoe. What? Uh, okay, sure thing. I'll stop the work and get all the men busy on it. We'll run the whole pile through a conveyor belt. It may take a few hours, but the stuff will turn off if it's in there.
3: For several hours, the conveyor belt carries the refuse from the giant dump pile past the waiting men. Then, finally...
1: There they are. Stop the bells. I see them. There they are.
3: The purse and shoes are recovered from the trash and examined minutely. They answer the description of the purse and shoes worn by Elizabeth Short the night she walked alone into the Biltmore Hotel and disappeared. There are new heel tips on the shoes, and after a detailed, thorough search, the police finally locate the cobbler who had repaired them.
2: Sure, sure, I put on those heels. Maybe three, four weeks ago. I remember the girl who brought him in, all right. Sure, I remember. But, uh, she's
5: not the one in those pictures. Nah, she's not the black guy.
3: On the following day, January 25th, 1947, the first real break in the case occurs. A phone call comes into the homicide division. Homicide, Hanson. Uh, this is the United States Post Office calling. Yes? We have something down here that I think will interest you. It connects with the Black Dahlia case. Oh? What is it? It's an envelope. And
1: according to the address on it, it contains some personal belongings of Black Dahlia. Are
3: you interested? We'll be right over. The envelope is examined in the postal inspector's office. It is addressed in letters clipped from newspaper accounts of the crime. The crude address reads... Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. Here is Dahlia's belongings. Letter to follow. The envelope is opened. Now, here is Detective Sergeant Harry Hansen's statement as to its contents. The envelope contained a black address book of birth certificates and pictures and calling cards. We're completely satisfied that the contents of that envelope are actually the belongings of the black Dahlia. It is the black address book, however, that is of primary importance to the police. Though 125 pages have been torn out of it, it still contains the names of some 75 men. Contact with these men is begun immediately. Here are some typical results. Well, I, I will admit I did pick her up. That was last October. I just took her to a drive-in. Never saw her again. Well, I... I don't know anything about this. Oh, sure, sure. I knew her. That is, I took her out twice... She phoned me a couple of times afterwards and asked for money, but I, I, I didn't see her again. I didn't know anything about this.
1: That's right. I went
3: out with her a number of times. Sure, I did. But you know those things, huh? I haven't seen her maybe six months now. You know those things, huh? Two days after the receipt of the envelope and the little black book, another piece of mail comes into police headquarters. On the outside, in addition to the address, is this puzzling inscription. Sorry, Greenwich Village, not Cotton Club. Homicide officers then open the envelope and examine the contents.
5: Here, Captain. Ordinary penny postcard. Yes, uh, there's something written on it. Let's see. Wait a minute. Now listen to this. It says, uh, here it is. Turning in Wednesday, January 29, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police. Hmm. And it's signed, Black Dahlia Avenger.
3: The card is written in ink with a bold, crude hand. There are no fingerprints on it. Postal authorities say that the new message was mailed the night before in downtown Los Angeles. Captain Jack Donahoe immediately publishes an answer to it.
5: To the killer of Elizabeth Short, if you want to surrender, as indicated by the postcard now in our hands, I will meet you at any public location at any time or at the Homicide Detail Office in the City Hall. Communicate immediately by telephone or by mail.
3: On January 29th, the police receive another message. It is contained in an envelope addressed in typewriting to Captain Donahoe. It states, I have changed my mind about surrendering. I'm afraid I won't get a fair deal. At 1 p.m., with no further word received from the message sender, another answer is drafted and signed by Captain Donahoe, Deputy Chief W.J. Bradley, and Deputy Chief Thad Brown. It states, in part, To the slayer of Elizabeth Short, it is not within the power of any police officer or any police department to make terms. And the sentence upon conviction lies within the discretion of the courts. However... All police officers are well aware that there are two sides to every story. And we can only promise that you will receive fair treatment and a just trial. No further word is received from the self-identifying killer. Then, shortly afterward, another strange phenomenon occurs in the Black Dahlia case. On February 6, 1947, at Fort Dix, New Jersey, a corporal approaches the desk of his commanding officer and stands at attention.
1: Well, Corporal, what is it? I have a confession to make, sir. Confession? Yes, sir. Well, what is it? You've read something about the Black Dahlia murder case, the one that took place about a month ago in Los Angeles? Yes, I believe I've read something about it. Why? Well, sir, I was on leave in Los Angeles at the time, and... Well, sir, I'm the killer of the Black Dahlia.
3: On February 8th, two days later... The corporal signs a 50-page statement, a confession to the murder of Elizabeth Short. In addition, he produces a pair of trousers on which blood stains are found. The Homicide Bureau makes a very careful study of all his claims. The result? The corporal's statement is confused and wandering. No details of the murder are included. The facts that have been given have been very carefully checked and the conclusion reached. It's our opinion that the corporal is not suspect in the murder of Elizabeth Short. In the able hands of Sergeant Ed Barrett, the Central Homicide Division files on the murder of Elizabeth Short continue to grow. Other confessions are received and found false until a total of 23 persons have claimed to be the killer of the Black Dahlia, a total believed to be unprecedented in American police annals. New clues are examined, new suspects questioned. The investigation continues. And today, Three years and eight months after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Short, the sentiment of the Homicide Division of the Los Angeles Police Department is still expressed in this way. It is our intention to keep the files open in the death of Elizabeth Short until we've obtained the arrest and conviction of her killer. We consider the investigation to be still very much alive, although at this time the identity of the murderer still remains unknown. Unknown? No. The killer of Elizabeth Short is not unknown. Somewhere, in whatever town or city this person is hiding, someone of you has seen him today, has spoken to him, eaten lunch and dinner with him, knows the location of the spot where he beat and tortured her over three and a half years ago. No, the cold blooded killer who took the life of the Black Dahlia is not unknown. Somebody knows. Now listen carefully, please. Listen, all of you, wherever you may be. We're going to give you a recapitulation of pertinent facts in the unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. Better make a note of them.
2: And remember, by following the instructions we shall give you in a moment, you may be the one to earn a $5,000 reward.
3: Now, here are the actual facts in the case. Elizabeth Short, 22 years of age, known as the Black Dahlia, was found dead in a vacant lot in the 3900 block on South Norton Avenue in Los Angeles, California.
2: The time was approximately 11 o'clock in the morning, Wednesday, January 15th, 1947. The police believed that she had been held
3: prisoner and tortured by a sadistic pervert for some time before death, possibly for as long as six days since her whereabouts are unknown, from the time that she entered the Biltmore Hotel at 6 o'clock on the evening of January 9.
2: Her statement that she was intending to meet her sister there was found to be false.
3: Now, here is one of the most important facts concerning this case. No trace of the clothing she was wearing at the time she entered the hotel has ever been found. Here's a description of that clothing as contained in the special police bulletin published at the time. Please listen carefully. She was wearing a black suit, no collar on coat, probably cardigan style. White fluffy blouse, black suede high-heeled shoes, nylon stockings, white gloves and a full-length beige coat. She carried a black plastic handbag about 8 by 12 inches in size. Ladies and gentlemen, if any of you possesses information that may have a bearing on the unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short, Black Dahlia, and please don't send guesses or hunches, but only actual, authentic information, follow these instructions so that your name and identity need never be made known unless you wish. Now listen carefully.
2: Write your information on a plain sheet of paper. Do not sign your name. Instead, sign it with six numbers, any arrangement of any six numbers. Then tear off a blank corner of that paper with a ragged edge. Write the same six numbers on that corner and keep it. Mail the rest of the paper with the information to Somebody Knows, Hollywood, California. You need tell no one what you have done. Mail your
3: letter to Somebody Knows, Hollywood, California. And if the information you've supplied leads to the arrest and conviction of the killer of Elizabeth Short, we'll announce your signature number on your local CBS station. Then, if you don't want your name to be known, go to your lawyer or doctor, your priest, minister or rabbi, and have him present the torn corner of the paper to any CBS station. In This way, you do not need to appear in person.
2: If the torn corner matches the original paper containing the information, the $5,000 reward will be yours.
3: Remember, you out there, you who have murdered in cold blood and think you've gotten away with it, listen. You cannot escape. There is no perfect crime. Remember, you are not unknown.
4: Somebody knows.
2: Tonight's case was written by Sidney Marshall from information in the files of the Los Angeles, California Police Department. Research was by Maurice Zim. Music was composed and played by Milton Charles. Somebody Knows is a James L. Safier production in association with CBS by arrangement with the Chicago Sun-Times and is based on a copyright owned by W.L. Finstead. It was narrated and directed by Jack Johnstone. In order to be eligible for the reward... Letters containing actual, authentic information... leading to the arrest and conviction of the killer or killers of Elizabeth Short... must be addressed to somebody knows, Hollywood, California... and must be postmarked not later than midnight, September 13, 1950. Arrest of the guilty person or persons must occur within 90 days of that date... and conviction must be within one year of tonight's broadcast. If more than one person gives the information leading to conviction... Our judges will divide the $5,000 reward among them in proportion to the importance the judges attach to the facts supplied, and in this, the decision of our judges will be final. This is Frank Goss saying good night, and remember, Somebody Knows.
1: There's always an unusual adventure in store for you when Casey, crime photographer, takes his camera in hand to track down the criminal to his lair. Casey, Crime Photographer, is a regular Thursday night CBS feature. Stay tuned for his latest adventure, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where you find Arthur Godfrey's daytime program every Monday through Friday, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
4: Welcome
0: back. Well, this one continues to be unsolved, although there's been a lot of speculation and books uh, over the years uh, since this. I was kind of surprised with the uh, corporal uh, being portrayed as giving this false confession. I have kind of an image of the sort of people who go and confess to crimes they... ...didn't commit, and I wouldn't tend to think of somebody in the military... ...in a responsible job as uh, doing that, but I guess... ...but what from I've been able to find out, there have been a lot of false confessions. Uh, There were 60 during the uh, initial investigation, and then there have been more than 500 total confessions... ...to this crime including by some people who weren't alive when it occurred. The $5,000 reward offered in this episode is the equivalent of nearly $55,000 today. So it was a significant amount of money. I do think that the court system moved a bit quicker back then, The whole idea of a conviction having to be obtained within a year would almost certainly mean today that anyone providing the tip would not end up getting bait. It was also interesting to hear Jack Johnstone, best known as the uh, producer, director... And later writer of the Bob Bailey Johnny Dollar series, he provided the narrating. And I think this is a solidly directed piece. It does lay out all of the evidence in a very matter of fact way. I think uh, this uh, came out after you know Dragnet had premiered and had proved quite popular. So it was very much straightforward. Uh, give the insight of what had happened so far. And the clues that were out there in the hopes that the public would be able to help solve the case. And again, I do think this definitely does have that sort of uh, Unsolved Mysteries uh, feel to it. And the case actually would be featured on Unsolved Mysteries in December of 1992, 42 years later and would sadly be just as unsuccessful in solving the case. Well, we will take a listen to the NBC uh, program that aired in this uh, same vein, though with a different case, but we're going to do that in a few weeks. Next week, we're going to turn to the world of Shakespeare, We'll be back with an episode of the Shakespeare Cycle, and you can follow us over at amazing.greatdetectives.net to listen to that program as well as all the other shows we've done this summer. All right, well, if you do have a comment, email it to me, box 13 at greatdetectives.net, follow us on Twitter at Radiodetectives, but from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Grandson and all.